0: Five, four, three, two, one. Nope. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Now Showing Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Sam Houston. I'm joined once again, my wonderful co-host, Lewis. Today, we are talking about two big films that released over the past month. David Leitch's Bullet Train, which is an action thriller comedy starring Brad Pitt, which is about a series of assassins, a group of assassins who who's lives all intersect on a Japanese bullet train. We're also talking about Nope, which is the newest film from acclaimed director Jordan Peel, who's previously made Get Out and Us, uh, which follows a Daniel Kaluuya, Kiki Palmer and Stephen Young dealing with a supernatural occurrence uh, in their area. Uh, So before we get into all of it, how are you doing, Lewis? Once again, it's been a while.
1: It has been a while, yeah, it's good to be back, and I'm doing well, thank you. How are you?
0: I'm doing okay. We've obviously both been very busy. It's been a, a very yeah. action-packed summer, um, but yeah, same as I said in the last few episodes, but we are planning to try and get to a bit more of a regular schedule. I'm away this week because of Reading Festival, but hopefully we're going to have an episode coming out over the next week as well, so the idea is that we're going to get back to some sort of normality, but yeah, I've been doing fine myself. Um hello to any new listeners who have come in piggybacking off your viral tweets because with a podcast <laughs> Twitter account is like doubling the fellowship because uh yeah. you started tweeting some, some hate against Disney as always.
1: I did, yeah. It was it was spawned by the was the first look at the live action Pinocchio and I hate the Disney live action remakes, but I hate none of them more than the Lion King remake. So I tweeted about how awful it was and it went it went viral and i plugged the podcast and the podcast has gained hundreds of followers and i've gained hundreds of followers and if you are here from that tweet welcome
0: welcome welcome all of you you don't We are happy to, to have you here, to. here
1: and we we can hate disney here together
0: <laughs> well yeah sometimes sometimes um well, I, I guess let's get into it with the uh, weather, what we've watched, um, because even though it's been a while, I have been so busy that I have yeah. pretty much got very little to talk about. So I'll let you go first. Um, what have you seen in, in August?
1: I haven't seen much either. Let me just check my letterbox because I really haven't seen much at all. I watched. Uh, I've been watching the James Bond films every week, so I've been keeping up with. I've been doing all of that. Uh, I watched where the crawdads sing. Oh, we we spoke about that last time. That was the yeah. last one that we spoke about. Yes. Um, and then I kind of went on a binge recently of really old films. Um, when we when I was in London that time and we watched the Miracle Woman with Barbara Stanwyck, I've delved into Barbara Stanwyck's filmography. I've watched Ball of Fire. Uh, Stella Dallas Double Indemnity which is probably her most famous one Uh, and they were all great and then I watched uh, two Mae West films as well I'm a fan of Mae West I watched Going to Town and I'm No Angel they were pretty great and um, and that's it really that's that's all I've watched really I haven't watched much I've not been in a, a big watching kind of mood recently Haven't watched. Oh, actually, I tell a lie. I rewatched Casino, and I did want to talk about this because when we did uh, when we spoke about Goodfellas, I always say I can never decide which one I prefer between Goodfellas and Casino. When I watched Casino for the first time and Goodfellas for the first time, I preferred Casino. Um, But after rewatching Goodfellas a lot, I've always thought I think Goodfellas is better because I have never rewatched Casino. I rewatched Casino, and it really is amazing. It's so It's so good, and I I don't know which one I prefer, but I said this on Twitter, it doesn't matter. Like, there's no point in thinking about which one I prefer because they're both great. They're both 10 out of 10s for me. Um, The one thing I'll say about Casino, though, is that it has Sharon Stone, and Sharon Stone is amazing in Casino. She gives an unbelievable performance. And also, the camera work in Casino is crazy. It's so not like Scorsese. There are big, sweeping camera movements. It's kind of like... In *Ambulance*, everyone was talking about how Michael Bay discovered drones. It's like in this one, Scorsese discovered like crane shots, where he just sweeps the camera across a casino, and it's it's so crazy, and it just it looks gorgeous, and I love *Casino* so much, and it was nice to rewatch it finally, even if it was I watched it at my dad's, who has it on DVD, a DVD copy from like the early 2000s or whenever it was, and it's it was in awful quality, um, because it wasn't on any streaming service and I really fancied watching it so um, but it was still great and it has it has a very brutal the ending of Joe Pesci's character is very brutal and I love it I really love Casino and I definitely re- recommend you watch it
0: okay yeah nice I do actually own it on 4K I just haven't been around to watching it yet so um, it will be one that will be watched relatively soon um, so for myself I've I've not really seen very much at all, um, but one thing I have been doing, as we mention every week, is I have been continuing to watch Doctor Who with you. So we got to the yeah. end of of David Tennant's reign, um, so we can um we can you know we'll be talking about that in a future episode. Wink wink, nudge nudge. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, again, I've not seen very much, seen very much, but TV wise, I have been watching All or Nothing which is the Amazon, well, the latest series, All or Nothing. Um, Amazon have been doing it for quite a while. Uh, I think they first started off with the All Blacks, the uh, New Zealand rugby team. But every series, they look at a different sporting team, follow them through everything. You know, the the training, the matches, the behind the mm-hmm. scenes, the management, the players, all this stuff, you know, proper in-depth looks. Uh, they did it with Man City in the Premier League. That was the first one in England. They did Tottenham last year. And this year, they did Arsenal, which is the football team I support, or any listener probably knows that. I've mentioned it a few times. Um, <laughs> I support Arsenal, and the all or nothing issue is on us. So... Within our fan base, it's been very, very talked about and I felt like I was very much missing it. If I didn't, And it, it's super interesting. I, I haven't watched any of the previous ones except for the Brazilian national team one um, uh, and a bit of the Juventus one. But um, I hadn't really watched them very much. But it's a really interesting look. I think, to be honest with you, I think people that, that maybe not people that hated football, but people that had a small interest in sports could probably appreciate it in general just because it, it's very interesting you very much can attach the players and the Management and stuff, but anyone that has any real interest in football should definitely give it a go. Um, and then, obviously, any Arsenal fan—it's a must-watch. But uh, yeah, really interesting. Very, I think as well. Now, because I'm so conscious of the actual events, you know, I went through it every week. um It's it, it, you realize how good documentary making is at that top level because y- you can see really how they pick and choose what moments to focus on to create the narrative, and it's really interesting seeing that, like really it wasn't actually that bad at this point or it wasn't really this good at this point but you leave out a few facts you don't lie you just leave out a few facts in and there and you can really create a, a feeling or a tension, or a happiness that maybe wasn't as true so it's very interesting i think uh and the editing is wonderful so all or nothing else that's been the main thing i've been watching also i can't remember if i mentioned it last time i don't think i did um oh actually to be fair last time we we didn't do um and uh, 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 what we watched really, did we? So, not we really, it. no, but um, big shout out to the speed cubers on Netflix. V- very short documentary, like 40 minutes long documentary called The Speed Cubers about Rubik's Cubes and speed Rubik's Cube completing. I recommend it so strongly. It made my mum cry. It's wonderful. Please go watch the speed cubes, a
1: documentary about Rubik's Cubes. Made your mum cry?
0: Yes, and you would not, you would not be surprised if you watched Speed
1: I'm now intrigued.
0: Very good, very good. Uh, I am. Um, I've also watched all the Is Marcel that... with shoes, the Shell with shoes on shorts, but I haven't actually seen the real film yet because we haven't got it in England. But yeah,
1: <laughs> I've uh, I've just remembered something else that I watched. I wasn't thinking about TV. Um, I finished Better Call Soul, which ended. You know it's over the Breaking yes. Bad universe is, is over and uh, I won't get into it because of spoilers uh, obviously if you ever decide to watch it or if anyone listening yeah. hasn't seen the finale yet but um it was amazing it was fantastic it was the a perfect ending to this story that kind of it managed to uh to end the story of Bear Call Saul and the story of Breaking Bad in one and it, it was incredible and it was um I do have one issue with the final series, which I feel like we we skipped over. Uh, there was a time jump at one point, and I feel like that time jump happened too early. Uh, I feel like we should have stayed with the characters for a bit, a little bit longer before they jumped forward to post-Breaking Bad. Um, but that's really my only issue. It's a flawless series of TV. Well, it's not flawless, because I've just said there's a flaw. But it's, <laughs> it's an amazing series of TV, and it just... It's genuinely stunning, and it's uh, it's the perfect epilogue to Breaking Bad. And I definitely... A- anyone who likes Breaking Bad should definitely give it a go. Anyone who hasn't seen Breaking Bad, go and watch Breaking Bad, and then come back to Better Call Saul. Because even though Better Call Saul is a prequel to Breaking Bad, you need to have seen Breaking Bad first.
0: Yeah. Okay. Nice. Um. So it's going to be hard to talk about news, really. Because yeah, it is. a lot hard. of things happened, right? Um, mm. the biggest ones, I think we can we can we can uh, we can try and focus a little on. Again, we will struggle to talk about. There's probably gonna be really big things that we just completely forget. Um, There's probably like a super massive thing. By the way, I just wanted to say throughout the podcast and the ongoing months, we have we mentioned it like a couple times. We haven't really been following the the Ezra Miller situation because even though it's in the world yeah. of film and it's very relevant, we're always seeing stories about them. It's not really relevant to film itself, if you know what I mean. It's it's their yeah. own personal problems. They are
1: they are a film star, but it has nothing to do
0: with yeah, films. exactly. And obviously, we hope they get the help they need. Um, yeah, right. So, Batgirl. That's the big one. Everyone knows about it, right? Everyone's yeah. heard about this. Um, so Batgirl, it was was an upcoming uh, DC film in the D- DC Extended Universe thing, uh, DCU, uh, whatever that is, um, starring um, Leslie Grace, J.K. Simmons, Brendan Fraser, and a recurring Michael Keaton coming back as Batman. Um, unfortunately... Due to tax reasons, Warner Brothers has announced that despite the fact the film was so close to being completed, uh, it, is going to be, it has been completely written off for tax purposes and uh, the film no longer exists. It ha- and new news coming out in the last few hours, in the last few days, uh, is that the film is being completely wiped. The footage is gone, deleted forever. We will never see this film. It will never be leaked. This film does no longer, it no longer exists. Um, how much of this is, a, uh, how 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 big of a tragedy this is for for in the name of art itself. You now, how what what is the fear of this precedent being set, but also how how sad is it that, regardless of the quality, a piece of art no longer exists that has been created by a, a large creative team?
1: Yeah, I mean, it is. It's awful. I wrote a, an entire article about it. Check it out if you're listening. To by the that. way, that was probably the most leading
0: um, question that any journalist has ever asked
1: i know yeah <laughs> um but yeah it is awful and you know people always say oh but batgirl was going to be bad you know when i wrote that article about capitalism killing art loads of people said but batgirl wasn't art and i'm like that's not the point the yeah. point isn't how good batgirl was gonna yeah, be yeah no I it's the fact that, that, that people made art. it yeah everything phil you know it's a people think it's pretentious to say that film is art or that art is a compliment and to say that when you say a film is art you mean it as a compliment but in reality all film is art it's an art form you know you wouldn't look at a painting and say that's not a piece of art just because you didn't like it and it's the same with films every film is a piece of art And regardless of how good Batgirl was going to be, the fact that it's been scrapped is awful. Not only because the people who made it put so much effort and love into it, but also, and because the fans who want to see it will never get to see it. But scrapping it for tax purposes so they can write it off is so insidious. It's, it's awful. And it just goes to show that the people running these studios view films they don't view films as pieces of art. They view films as business commodities. They view films as products, which is what people have said for ages. Scorsese said it and still gets attacked for it. And this kind of shows, yeah, it's more profitable for us to write this film off as a tax write-off. So let's do that. And it's it's awful. And it just shows that the attitude towards films is gearing towards them being a product and being business commodities rather than pieces of art and you know the the old MGM motto I say old it's still their motto is art for the sake of art art for art's sake and we're really losing that in mainstream Hollywood it's dying in mainstream Hollywood that idea of making art just for the sake of it and it only really exists in the kind of indie art house circles of filmmaking and once that idea is dead in Hollywood in mainstream Hollywood it's going to spread to the the lower budget studios it's going to spread to art house cinema and that's going to die as well and you know scrapping a film mm. for tax purposes is awful and you know it doesn't matter how good it was going to be people made it it should be released and you know it's just It's honestly, it's one of the worst things that a Hollywood studio has done regarding films ever, in my opinion. I think it's really bad. And they're doing it even now to TV shows. They're removing shows from HBO Max left, right and center. You know, there are, I can't remember which show, but there's one show in particular that you can't buy physical copies of it. You can't stream it anywhere. It doesn't exist anymore. It's gone. You know, there there is no record of the show ever existing. All social media clips of it have been deleted. It's been removed from YouTube. It's been removed from Twitter. This show doesn't exist anymore. What it's you, so awful. I can't remember the name of the show. It's Infinity something. It's got Infinity in the title.
0: I can't I can... I remember watching um, a channel for... Um, Sketch show called Anna and Katie in like 2015 or something, and I tried to search mm. it out recently and I cannot find it existing anywhere. Like I can't find it existing. Slightly different thing. Probably because it's like an obscure British comedy that ran for a series, but I could not find it anywhere. <laughs> um, so yeah. some timeline behind Batgirl. So Batgirl was completed in March 2022, right? So it was it was finished in in I believe in March. In yeah. In April. Which uh, which comes after? Um, for any um, time nerds, um, in April, <laughs> Warner Warner Media merged with Discovery. You know the Discovery Channel, uh, of Discovery Channel thing. Um, and on this, along with apparently, along with the reported fall in Netflix stock prices and Netflix's financial woes, Warner Brothers decided to move. Uh, Batgirl, from an original streaming HBO Max release to a theatrical release, uh, this theatrical release was very short-lived because by August um, it, so they announced they were going to be writing off tax. I believe there is a number of reasons why. I do not think it's simply just for tax. I believe it's also partly because of poor test screenings. Um, I believe it is also uh, due to the idea that they wanted to try and fix up the DCEU, especially with the way that you know, having to change things with the Flash due to previously mentioned Ezra Miller actions, uh, and I believe it's also very much largely in part to the new uh, CEO uh, David Zaslav's um, concept of trying to make DC films um, events. I believe big events films. Um, mm-hmm. So all of these, I think, combined for the decision to to take Batgirl you know, off, uh, along with. But whilst this is is. I'm assuming those reasons are all true to more or less of an extent that doesn't necessarily, the, the big theatrical events, the poor screenings, et cetera, et cetera, probably doesn't explain why the Scooby-Doo film was also removed. Yeah. They're not making a Scooby-Doo cinematic universe. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah that was They're just, big
1: I think that all of those reasons that you've just said are just reasons to try and save face. Um, I think it, the I reason think they cancelled it is for tax if purposes. It, if it was,
0: I don't think they would have cancelled the film if it was, um, you know, everybody absolutely adored it and it was doing amazingly well in test screenings and it was. You know, I think like I read short-sharp. that it
1: got the same test. I think I read that it got the same test audience scores as the new Shazam film. Um, I d- I think this idea Shazam, that it got yeah, abysmal sure, audience it got the scores, test screenings
0: that, that, fucking Citizen Kane did, it would have been a different thing, <laughs> the one, right. Shazam well, yeah. hasn't got very good rings ratings anyway. But still, but...
1: this is Warner Brothers. It's not like they're not used to make, releasing awful films. They no, released yeah, exactly. Suicide yeah, 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 Squad yeah, no, and the, yeah. the theatrical cut of Justice League. Yeah, no, so I, I think I, the I, main... Re- I'm not saying that the audience scores didn't... I'm sure they played a small yeah, part, I th- yeah, yeah, but I, I think <laughs> it's 95% tax purposes.
0: I mean, I oh, I don't know about the, the percentage, but yeah, I do... I do agree. I mean, I don't think that that should be a reason. I'm, I'm happier that the world has Morbius, right? Um, yeah, Morbius not existing, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, whatever, but yeah, it it is, it is sad. Very sad.
1: It is. It's awful. And the fact that it's Warner brothers as well, like it's not, it's not a company like Apple. It's not a tech giant. It's Warner brothers. It's one of the oldest and most prestigious film studios in the world and it shows this decision shows that they either just fundamentally misunderstand what film is or they consciously reject film and view it solely as a business and you know yeah. view it solely as products that can be scrapped at any point if it becomes I mean, less profitable
0: i'm not i can't sound too surprised let's be honest okay let's move on let's move on next let's. up some very Annoying, some very sad, some very concerning news for for me in particular, uh, out of the two of us, which is that cineworld World, who owns a number of different chains across the world, including obviously cineworld World in the UK, uh, have confirmed that they are looking at filing for bankruptcy in the US um, because of a four billion pound debt that was accrued during the pandemic. Now. I have a feeling that Cineworld will be okay, but I can't say that I'm not shitting myself a little bit as someone, of course, of course, I actually have an extra concern because one of my close friends does work for Cineworld. So I hope they do not come unemployed. Um, good luck with that one there. But aside from that, I also have a Cineworld unlimited membership and live in an, I live next to a Cineworld when I'm on my mum's house. I live near a Cineworld when I'm at, my nan's house, which is where I live now, I used, I used to live near a Cineworld in Wembley and my work is next to a Cineworld in Leicester Square. So the idea of not being able to attend those four cinemas would be a colossal pain in the arse for myself. Um, but of course, you know, for the wider industry, it obviously has more important problems, but that's my selfish issue. Um, hmm. But you know, I've got a feeling they're going to be okay, right?
1: I, I mean, I hope so, yeah. But yeah. you, you never know. It's you the... never know. I hope so.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not. I'm. Yeah, the, it's the second largest. They own largest... picture
1: house as well.
0: They own picture house, of course. So they picture
1: do. houses. So picture yeah. houses could disappear. That's
0: that you know they they're
1: exciting. one of the only cinemas in the country in the UK in big cities that show kind of indie films. I mean, my Odeon, the the Odeon. I go to an Odeon because it's closer. Um, they don't show indie films like i think licorice pizza a big film like licorice pizza got like one showing a day for about a week so i often rely on the picture house to go and see films that aren't big blockbusters um so and a lot of people do as well in international films yeah. so yeah, yeah. um it'd be and a, that's a massive loss
0: zola um Tatum. yeah Liquorish Pizza, we're all in picture houses.
1: Drive My Car, I watched Drive My Car in a picture my house car.
0: as well. I saw it would the BFI actually. I saw it in the prince Charles. But um, yeah, that's right, yeah. My Car was not a, a, a wide cinema release. I mean, we're talking about films that are all mm-hmm. fucking Oscar nominated here that you can't see in Odeons in or <laughs> cinema ones. But um, yeah, so picture houses leaving would be just as catastrophic for the For the cinephile community, as as the as the main brand, which is the as I say the second largest cinema chain in the world,
1: yeah, and the biggest in this country as well. So it's it's scary if like CineWorld just shuts down. Like, what do they do?
0: (laughs) I wonder if maybe one of the other ones will become a lot bigger by buying them up. Because yeah. there's going to be an awful lot of cinema screens in this country that would not be used. I think believe like 700 or something. Ridiculous.
1: Yeah, I think I th- I do think CineWorld have the most cinemas in the, country, cinema. so, yeah. not in the
0: country. So, yeah. In the country. Yeah. Yeah. So, I wonder if it means that like Odeon will become like massive or something. Yeah,
1: Odeon might just become the cinema of the UK or something like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like split them up between Odeon and, and View. Leicester yeah. Square has already got two different Odeons, so maybe we can make it three. <laughs> and there's one on yeah. Covent Garden for me Which not <laughs> actually Covent Garden, it's called Garden. Okay, um on to the next piece of news which is I'm not going to even let you say anything about this by the way. I'm just going to when I edit this out Oh I'm, god. I'm literally just going to mute your mic on the editing cuz I don't want to hear anything you say, you negative Nancy. Um, Oh, God. Marvel. Marvel News. (laughs) SBCC 2022. San Diego Comic-Con. Marvel Studios announced... Did we not speak about that last time? I don't believe so, no.
1: Oh, no, we didn't. We didn't.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yes. um, If we did, I apologize. Uh, We have... An awful lot of coming out of, of Comic-Con, loads of news. We did not expect to receive very much at all. I think people expected anything uh, because of Disney had their own convention, uh, their own like fandom thing, and everyone expected it uh, to be at that. But actually, a ridiculous amount of stuff was announced um, about the upcoming, the, the rest of Phase 4 and Phase 5, and I think they even mentioned Phase 6. So, Yeah, they did. The, the multiverse saga has been that's what we, we did the infinity saga now we're in the multiverse saga um, further things that we already knew about we have seen more information of such as a Guardians of the Galaxy 3 trailer um, a Black Panther Wakanda Forever trailer which I will even let you speak out because even you acknowledge that that looks really really good
1: yes I am I was shocked by the Black Panther Wakanda Forever trailer it actually looks decent yeah I was surprised. I'm. I don't. I'm not. I'm not. I don't have much faith because the Black Panther, um, the the original Black Panther, is one of the best MCU films still. But the trailer looked far better than the film visually. So I'm not like holding my hopes up. But it actually looked good. Yeah. However, Ryan Coogler, you've got to have faith in Ryan Coogler. Awful
0: and She-Hulk doesn't look awful now it's out. So the opposite thing is. Have you seen She-Hulk? No, I watched a bit of it. I've seen the beginning of it, uh, and I was busy. But I don't think the, the CGI looks very bad uh, when I saw the, the the HD screen caps of her in the show itself.
1: I I, I it's haven't fine. seen it, but I saw a I saw one clip that <laughs> it's really bad.
0: <laughs> but the uh, the VFX looks fine.
1: Um, yeah, I wasn't talking about the VFX; just yeah, the, yeah. mainly the editing.
0: Agatha. Um, House of Harkness has been changed to Agatha Coven of Chaos, by the way. I don't know if that's a game changer. I forgot. I forget that, that show move. exists. One of the big announcements was that Daredevil was returning um, with mm. a, a, a series, Daredevil Born Again, um, which I think the idea is the promise that it will... Um, kind of not be of the typical MCU tone and it will be kind of more close to the Netflix roots um, and it will be a, a, a longer running, um, more traditional American style TV series length, um, which is funny because Marvel actually, which is like the most American Disney-fied thing in the world, have been doing a very UK TV model of like six to eight episodes and then um, where, you know, even though the most American organisation ever and then now they're finally going back to, an American model uh, of like 24 Mm. episodes, but yeah, so this is going to be the first long running, um, Marvel TV, uh, production because, you know, of course the Netflix shows were made by, by Netflix, obviously. Um, a lot of things that we knew were happening were finally confirmed, such as a Captain America film for, um, the, for Anthony Mackey's um, Captain America, formerly Falcon. Um, but a number of new things as well, including Thunderbolts, which is very intriguing and I assume um, will include a lot of people who have been set up with um, Louis Dreyfus's, whatever her name is, uh, Julian Louis Dreyfus's character. So I'm assuming that is going to include the new Black Widow, um, the the evil Captain America, I forgot his name now. Um, what's his name? Do you remember his name? The evil Captain America? John Walker. I don't even know who you're talking about. John Walker. From the Falcon and Soldier. The bad guy from the Falcon the Soldier. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, him. Yeah. Probably dead. Uh, not dead. was Deadpool, probably Sharp, I imagine. Maybe uh Abomination. Um Fantastic Four got a release date, which is um twenty twenty in November two thousand twenty four. But two of the big ones, the two biggest announcements of the day were the event the announcement of two new Avengers films, uh which will be coming um th- Five years, six years after the release of Avengers Four, um, which was obviously uh, Infinity War, uh, Endgame sorry? Endgame. Um, we've got two within a very short period of time in a in a Matrix two and three star move. Um, we have the Kang Dynasty in May the second of two thousand twenty five, and Secret Wars in November seventh, twenty twenty five, which are going to be directed by different directors, which I think is an important. Um, thing to note, because I think it implies that the stories will not be necessarily, you know, a sequel, it will be more, you know, related, but I think the idea of having two in a very short period of time, um, is very interesting. Cause I think it, it, it implies, a a, a kind of different, um, system or different form than we've usually used to, um, you know, with the idea of like, you know, building things up slowly to, to big events, having two very close to each other, I'm very intrigued about how they're going to do that. Um. But yeah, as I said, it's not very common. The only time I can ever think of two sequels coming out in the same year is Matrix 2 and 3. Mm. But um, Yeah, so uh, I guess we'll uh, have to see what happens. I, I believe, it's, is it destined Daniel Cretton that's been um, that's been given the... Kang he is thing.
1: doing the first one, whichever Kang one is, is the yeah, first one. Yeah, Shang-Chi.
0: And I think Shang-Chi, which is pretty good. I like Shang-Chi. Uh, and one thing that you can't say is that you can't say it's bad directed. So um, I, I, I have faith that... Um, that would be good. In more recent, less less big news, uh, there has been a, announced a Ferris Bueller's Day Off spin off. Um, why why are they doing that? Why are they doing that, Lewis?
1: I didn't even know that that was a thing until just now. <laughs> yeah, the <laughs> Is, two, Are they really?
0: Yes, they are. Yes, they are making the 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 valets that that have the joyride with the Ferrari in Ferris Bueller's Day Off are getting their own spin off. Sam and wow. Victor's day off. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, Olivia and John died. She did. That's not good.
1: It's not. It's very sad.
0: Rest in peace. Um
1: and they're re if you didn't know by the way for any listeners who listen to this before Thursday on Thursday across the UK Greece is being re-released in cinemas and a pound from every ticket sold is being donated to breast cancer charities so buy yes. a ticket to Greece on Thursday and go and see it that's what i'm I doing with wish my because
0: i would love to see it and Greece is wonderful i love Greece uh, especially the ending it is great. she's she's <laughs> she's just batshit <that> um, <laughs> <laughs> of course i'm very sad um she's she it will be dearly missed and, and I think the appreciation and reappraisal of Greece over the last week has shown that. Um one bad thing is done, um, unfortunately, is that it now means that all the songs from Greece get played in my pub every single night. <laughs> I cannot hear you're you're the one that I won or or uh, or Greece Lightning again. It's 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 percent. <laughs> <laughs> so um I guess I'm ultra sad that, that she's gone, really. Yeah. Uh Ryan Gosling and Margaret robbie are in a film together. Have you heard about it?
1: Yeah, I have but I've forgotten what it is. I just remember that they are in a film. Oh it's an Ocean's Ocean's Eleven prequel, isn't it?
0: Oh, I was talking about Barbie. But, um, oh right. Yes. Yeah. Ryan Gosling is joining Margaret <laughs> for a prequel to Ocean's Eleven. Um which you know I think is interesting. Um I'm assuming that they, uh, they didn't have any fallouts on the set of Barbie in that in that, uh, in that case. Um, but very little mm-hmm. was known about the film, but, um, yeah, this will be, he goes third film since he's uh, made his, he, re- his return to, to the cinema with the gray man. Uh, have you, have you seen oceans 11? Are you an oceans 11 fan or an oceans enjoyer?
1: I have, I've seen, uh, all of the oceans films and I think they're great. They're great little heist films. And, uh, don't know why this is a prequel to them. They stand fairly alone. I don't know what they would make it. I don't know why they would make a prequel and not just a new heist series. Um But it, they they were great and I love them. Don't so you know that everything I'll has watch. to
0: be attached to existing IPs? Have I mean, we not learned that lesson?
1: I know. Yeah, it's depressing, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Or Elvis, you can make a better Elvis as well. Um
1: Elvis. That is some big news. Some huge Elvis news for cinephiles. Elvis has become Baz Luhrmann's highest grossing film at the domestic box office who
0: cares yes. about the domestic box office
1: well it's just it goes to show people have taste they love no, Elvis well, yeah,
0: but I don't know why we care about America specifically
1: because it just shows that it's more it's not the fact that it's America it just shows that it's made more money than anything else
0: which in is America nice. yeah tell them tell about worldwide box office
1: I don't know the worldwide box office.
0: You're out. You're unprepared. You're a noob. <laughs> Is Ocean's Eight good? Because I heard mixed things.
1: Yeah, I enjoyed Ocean's Eight. Yeah, it was. Ju- it was just as good as the. Uh, it was just as good as the other ones. I don't. I. I think a lot of the hate for it was why are they doing it with women? Um, yes. Because it's genuinely. It's just. A, it's a. It's a solid heist film. Like the Ocean's films with George Clooney. They're not like masterpieces of cinema. They're just cool heist films. And that's what Ocean's 8 is. a masterpiece of
0: cinema with your main star as George Clooney? <laughs> um, Batman nice and out. Robin
1: says yes.
0: <laughs> Sorry?
1: Batman and Robin says yes, you can make true. a masterpiece of cinema with George Clooney in it.
0: That is a masterpiece of cinema. Yeah, I, will, I agree with you there, to be fair. The Idols of March yeah. disagrees with me. Um, <laughs> Knives Out Two has got a release date. By the way, it's coming out in in on the twenty third of December.
1: Yeah, I look forward to it.
0: Which is just before Christmas and just after my birthday. Okay. Oh yeah, also Joker Joker Two is called something weird, right? Yeah, it's
1: French. I can't remember what it is. It's like Folie à deux. Folie deux it means madness for two.
0: Yeah, and Lady Gaga is a fish for now. She's definitely in it. And it's yeah, set in is. um it's set in the Arkham Asylum. We know that as well.
1: Yeah. And we, we haven't yet had confirmation that it's a musical, but I'm fair we're fairly certain. Lady Gargal's in it, we're fairly certain.
0: Yeah. She used to sing, didn't she?
1: <laughs> she she did, yeah. That's how she got her start.
0: Really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like Billy Piper. Okay. Let's yes. talk about Bullet Train. Shall we? Let's. So describe to me what Bullet Train is.
1: Bullet Train is a, it's an it's an action comedy. It's a a series of people in an environment, a small environment, a bullet train, and they all are chasing the same thing and it's uh chaos ensues. They're all after a briefcase, and the briefcase is kind of being passed from person to person. Um and then fighting over the briefcase and, and all sorts of shit happens and shit hits the fan.
0: Indeed. Um, okay, I'll get into it first. Um, it's been a while since I saw it, of course, because it came out for quite a while ago in England. Um, but yes, of course, uh, directed by David Leitch, based on a screenplay by yeah. Zach Olkowitz and stars a ensemble cast that includes the likes of Brad Pitt, Joking, Aaron Taylor Johnson, Brian Tari Henry, Michael Shannon, um, Andrew Koji, Sandra Bullock, Bad was Bad Bunny? Bad Bunny and more and more. There are, there are more people that haven't said there are quite a few people you would have you would have heard of. Um, including a couple um, like quite like surprising cameos that I won't spoil for anyone who hasn't seen the film, but I'm sure you were surprised by them as well. Um okay, Bullet Train. Everybody, so we're talking about Bullet Train and Nope today, and everybody has been discussing Nope's Spielberg connections, right? I think that's that's the most obvious Mm -hmm. comparison that everybody's been making, comparing it to Jaws, comparing it to Close Encounters, comparing it to a lot of different Spielberg properties and Spielberg's directs and stuff. I think um, Bullet Train is like. Yeah, I, 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 it, it feels, it feels, like you've given a Coen Brothers script to Quentin Tarantino is the way that I put Bullet Train. It is a story that is so rich in discussion of fate and occurrence and luck that it feels like it's been written by by the Coen Brothers perfectly. But it has a, a wonderful stylization to it that a lot of people might think is a little bit too much, much like they do with a lot of people with Tarantino stylization. But um, but I really enjoyed. And I think the w- almost, it, it, you know, take Coen Brothers as well, rich um, supporting characters and such. Um, this film was uh, very much an ensemble feature, not only in terms of, of cast, but in terms of um, whilst you see the world through the lens of Brad Pitt, almost every person's story and how they end up on this bullet train. He's kind of equally interesting and, and given enough respect to each. Um, ultimately, yeah, I really enjoyed Bullet Train. Um, you know, I thought that the the you know, the very over-the-top nature of the editing, the colours, uh, the the colour grading, the the sound mixing, I thought was very interesting, the kind of visual overload. But ultimately, yeah, I thought it was very funny. I thought that um so I think I think that the performances were were pretty good. Now, when you watch this film, I'm sure you probably could tell one of the problems I was going to have with it, and that is the problem of Brian Tyree Henry's English accent. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is what I was thinking about. Yeah. Aaron How Taylor was Johnson
0: it? and Brian Tyree Henry play a pair of unconventional brothers who go by like the codenames of Lemon and Tangerine, if I'm Orange and Tangerine. Um, yeah, I, th- I think so, yeah Lemon and Tangerine Yes, and uh, and Barry Tarry Henry um, Is supposed to be playing A character from East London Barry Tarry Henry Is not from East London uh, He's <laughs> he's from Fayetteville, North Carolina uh, And you can tell it's, I would it's, never
1: have guessed He wasn't from East London
0: Yeah, it's not Paul Waterhauser And Cruella Right, that's the yard. No, it's not, it's, it's not Paul housing and Cruella, but it's not that much better to be honest. It's not that much better. Um, Aaron Taylor Johnson starts off poorly, but throughout the runtime, I find myself minding it less and less. Perhaps that's because of the combination of him with the far worse by Henry, who is a very good actor and I thought was good in his physical acting. Um, but his uh. Yeah, he's act kind of down. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I, I think that I'm always fascinated. It's so much, you know, I was fascinated by those stories of, of fate and coincidence and stuff. And I think um, the kind of building things of one person happening to do this, happening to do this, happening to do this, happening to do this, to do this and this kind of, um, kind of ricocheting of, of different events um, was intriguing. I did feel like the film slightly got a little bit lost in that gimmick and resulted in it feeling a bit overlong. Um, the kind of second act, I was kind of starting to understand, like, okay, I get the point here. I understand you don't necessarily need to over explain everything. We don't really need to go around to the bend again. And then it led to almost the ending feeling a little bit too rushed. I think we spent a little bit more t- too much time in the center of the plot there. Um, but and, and maybe the complications with the snake and such, but. Yeah, I thought it was an intriguing little film. Uh, I think there's probably a lot to come back to. I think it's probably very rewatchable. Uh, and ultimately, I really admire the the Japanese style of it, and I, I enjoy the editing choices. So ultimately, I'll, I'll give. Uh, I've said ultimately a lot today. Ultimately, I'll give uh, Bullet Train a, a positive review. I very much enjoyed it. What About yourself,
1: I uh, I pretty much agree with you. Yeah, I felt I feel very complicated when I was watching it. I felt very complicated about Bullet Train because I was watching it wasn't having a great day. I was in a bit of a bad mood. And I remember being sat there thinking, if I was in a good mood, I would be loving this. But I wasn't in a good mood, so I wasn't. But afterwards, thinking about it, it was great. And I agree with everything that you said. Um, I think that that it was quite funny. I chuckled a few times. Um, the action was well done. You know, when you're in a bullet train, there's not much space for fighting. There's not much space to have a big explosive action scene, and they still managed to make it engaging and and you know, all the stuff that good action should be. Um, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, I thought it was funny. The only issue I did have, similarly to you, the ending felt rushed, even though the film felt very long. The ending is way over the top Um, I don't think it needed to go that big with the ending Um, but it was, was, you know, it was an acceptable ending, but the, the film itself I thought the plot was very, very interesting you know, I liked this kind of idea of this guy Brad Pitt has been dropped in this situation and he knows nothing about it and it's a very personal thing for everyone else um which you know you learn later on in the film why it's so why he feels so lost in this um it, it's such a personal story for everyone else and um and yeah I think it's great the the fact that they they managed to make the action visually interesting you know the bright colors the neons and the the, the camera work in such a tight space I was very impressed with and uh, and yeah I enjoyed bullet train a lot it was uh yeah very positive and i want to go and watch it again when i'm in a good mood because it was a lot of fun and i i think i agree completely with you when you said um it's like the they gave a coen brothers script to tarantino because it feels very coen brothers but it has that hyper stylization of of a tarantino film
0: yeah yeah and the comedy mainly mainly well for me as well um yeah i think it's important to know that you know I, i i can get very bored by action and um if especially if I find it, it's just for for action's sake. Um, you know, as I always I've said this a million times. You know, if whenever I watched Captain America, I, I would, you know I'd be equally as in, as enthralled if I see the action scene or if they put up a a, a big title card that said they had a fight and Captain America won. Um, but with Bullet Train, I very much thoroughly enjoy the action. I think you know we're talking about like top top tier. Uh, fight choreography. This is not surprising uh, when it's directed by David Leach, uh David Leitch, who who did John Wick, uh, Type Blonde, and yeah. people. You know, obviously someone who's an expert in working with choreographers and working with um, fighting in in those kind of close kind of spaces, and obviously fighting in Japan as well with um, with Wick. Yeah. So yeah, I very much enjoyed the action. I thought it was very well done. It did uh, always feel like it was servicing the plot as well. So yeah. So what would we say for rating wise on Bullet Train?
1: I uh, I really enjoyed it. I'm going to give it a, a a big old eight out of ten.
0: Yeah, I think I'm going to give it an eight out of ten as well. Seven and a half, seven and a half, eight, seven and a half. Eight. Man I of the was match. thinking
1: seven and a half, but I thought I'll be positive and give it an eight.
0: Man of the match, bad bunny.
1: <laughs> I really, um, I'm really struggling with man of the match. I don't know, you know. I really don't know.
0: Uh, is that, I, think, uh, mm.
1: I, think I I think. I think I think I'm going to give it to Elizabeth Ronalds Dotir. I apologise exactly for that pronunciation. Who is the editor of this? Because I think the editing yes. is is brilliant.
0: Yep, exactly the same. It's exactly what I was about to say. I'm also going to Elizabeth Ronalds. We
1: today. are on the same wavelength.
0: Are we going to be the same wavelength with Jordan Peele's Nope? That is the question. Let's find out. Let's find out. Nope, one of the most easily anticipated films of the year, of course, because it comes from director and writer Jordan Peele of Get Out and Ask Fame, and sees him reuniting with Get Out star Daniel Kaluuya, who is joined by Kiki Palmer, Stephen Young, Michael Wincott, and Brandon Brera, and follows kaluuya and Palmer as siblings, who try and film a UFO they see flying above their ranch. It, as they are, they are Hollywood horse. Um, what are they called? Wranglers uh, and and produce horses for yeah. the film industry. It's, it got a bit of uh, cinephile extra interest as the characters are portrayed as the. Uh, relatives, the great great grandchildren or great 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 grandchildren of um, the jockey from um, the first ever motion picture, um, the Moybridge. I forgot what it's called now, but the Moybridge moving picture of the the person and the horse. Yeah, the horse um, thing. Yeah. So uh, and it also coincides with a subplot of Stephen Young, uh, who was a former child star. Who, uh, who witnessed a, I'm not going to go into too many details, but witnessed uh, a traumatic event uh, on set as a kid. So, you, you're a big Get Out enjoyer, as, as I am?
1: I am, I loved Get Out, yeah. I'm assuming I haven't like seen to... Us, disclaimer, haven't yeah, seen you're... Us. Mm-hmm.
0: That's not surprising. I
1: won't be watching Us because it's too scary.
0: You don't know it's too scary, do you? You haven't seen it
1: i i've seen enough to know that it's too scary for me
0: right well obviously you were slightly apprehensive about nope coming into it right
1: i was i was i think it's
0: fair to say you you, you weren't you didn't have much to be worried about it's not it's not a very scary film was it
1: no this it, it wasn't scary at all That I, I was watching fiction, it and
0: it's a science fiction horror that focuses more it's a psychological horror for sure in the same way that get out is but you're never scared by get out um it's... Yeah,
1: I was more scared by how scared I might be. I was never scared by yeah. anything on the screen.
0: It's called a science fiction horror film. I would always say science fiction disaster film is a better description of the film.
1: Yeah, I know that there's been a lot of debate about whether or not it's a horror film. And I, I can't be really bothered getting bogged down in semantics of whether or not it is. Yes, yes. But um, if, to me, it's this wasn't... A horror, it,
0: film, it's a horror film. Yeah,
1: I mean, it doesn't really make a difference what you call it. But it wasn't scary at all.
0: Yes. Okay, um, whether it was scary or not is not the question. The question is well, how good it was. Tell me your thoughts on Note. Well,
1: I, uh, I'll give a bit of background because a few weeks ago you spoke about how you can never go into a film unbiased. Everyone has a bias when it comes to films they're watching. And that's kind of how I went into Note because when I saw Get Out... I think I thought, and I think that Get Out is really something special. Like that is a genuinely remarkable film. I don't think I've seen anything like Get Out, um, and I've not seen anything like Get Out since. It, people have tried to replicate it, but Get Out was something special. And I've not seen Us, so I can't comment on that. So with Nope, I was very, very excited. The first trailer for Nope is one of the best trailers I've ever seen. The the later trailers for Nope gave everything away. Wish I hadn't watched them. Um, And then, of course, Nope came out in America like three weeks before it came out here. So we got everyone's reactions to Nope. And everyone was saying it's unbelievable. It's like Spielberg. It's epic filmmaking like there hasn't been for years. So I went in, and it's fair to say I did have high expectations for Nope. And I don't know whether it met them, because I thought it was good. It was very good. Um, but I don't think it was anything special. I don't think it was remarkable. It felt like um, a, just a, a UFO story. Um, you know, it had some layers to it, but it didn't feel like remarkable in, in any way to me. Um, but I enjoyed it. I think Kiki Palmer was great. Um, Daniel Kaluuya was great. He didn't have much to do this time, so he gave a very subdued performance. Um, compared to his, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for, like overwhelmingly floor-sweeping performance of of Get Out or uh, his Oscar-winning performance in, uh, what's the
0: film called?
1: Judas and the Black Messiah. This is a very subdued Daniel Kaluuya, very subtle, and I really liked it. Kiki Palmer was great, um, and the whole cast was great. Steven Yun was great and um, and the story was fun, it was engaging, um, yeah, but it didn't feel anything special to me, it just felt like a fun UFO film, you know, when people were saying this is like Spielberg, you know, Jordan Peele is the new Spielberg, and I'm watching it and I'm thinking, how, you know, I, it, this it, it's it's a it's a good film and I enjoyed it and I feel like I'm being negative in my review even though I enjoyed it and I'm gonna give it a positive rating because I really enjoyed it but I don't see why people were saying this is special this is remarkable filmmaking nobody's doing it like Jordan Peele because they are I feel like you know it wasn't that special the trailers gave so much away. Um, and the film it wasn't it what it kind of felt like a film that would be better if you didn't know what was gonna happen but I found it very yeah. predictable um from very early on I kind of got the twist um it felt very uh, not by the book but predictable and um and there there weren't any moments that scared me there there's i think there's one jump scare um that kind of... You know, scares you because it's a jump scare. Um, oh, yeah. But it wasn't disturbing. It wasn't kind of. It didn't make me uncomfortable. It was, you know, there were moments that felt quite gimmicky that I think were meant to be disturbing. That I've seen. One person in particular um, has said that it was. They've never been more disturbed by a film, a moment in film. Um, if you've seen it, you'll probably know what I'm talking about. Um, the other than since they were a kid, they've never been more disturbed, and I thought that that felt quite gimmicky. Um So I don't, I don't understand why people seem to be saying that it's something special. Because while it's very good, it's not like people are saying Kiki Palmer Oscar campaign, and I'm like, where, where? Like it's great, it's a great film, but it's not, it's not on the same level as Get Out. It's not on the same level as as the films that it's being compared to, like Jaws, like um, Close Encounter. It's just a fun, okay. Uh, it, it's a fun action film, and okay. I think um, one thing I will say about it though is I loved the subtext of the whole Stephen Yuen side. So many people are saying that that's irrelevant and it's pointless and it adds nothing to the story, when that's the entire point of the film is the yes. Stephen Yen stuff yes. that was amazing the stuff with gordy was brilliant and it was yeah. fantastic and um if you don't if you think that that's pointless then you've completely misunderstood the point that the film is trying to make because yeah. in a way the stuff with daniel kaluuya and kiki palmer is superfluous because the point of the film is Stephen yet he is the main character thematically it's just that we're experiencing it through Daniel Kaluuya and Kiki Palmer's eyes, but it the, but other than that, the film I didn't really make me care for the characters. I didn't care about Daniel Kaluuya or Kiki Palmer. Um, it's starting to waffle. You know, yes. I, I was never worried for them,
0: so I apologize for waffling. Take it away. Okay. Um. Right. Okay. Nope. Is. In two words something special. I, 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 you know, I hate to be like constantly comparative and, and of course this film has specifically been compared to everything. I will say straight up, this film is not as good as get out, right? I did not enjoy this film as much as get out. I don't think it's as well made as get out. That is unimportant because if you were holding every film standard to get out, you could only find a handful of films that would ever be compared comparatively as good. Mm. But if you take away that expectation that this film might be out again, it's absolutely excellent, it's absolutely wonderful. And I've caught—I do have flaws with it. It's not a film that I think it's flawless, but it is such an excellent piece of filmmaking. Uh, I am in awe of it. Um, I have got to say, I, I understand what you mean. It is not scary. It is not. It never made me shudder, it never made me worried, but some of the subject matter and perhaps more of the the concept of the, of the film as a, as a whole, I found almost kind of harrowing. You know there are the way that things are depicted, the way that thing, the way that things are, are shown, um, and perhaps some of the the kind of realizations or the conclusions that it makes you come to made me leave maybe not in the, even in the cinema, but a few days later thinking back and thinking, wow, that's pretty damn grim. Oh, that's pretty damn sad. Or that's pretty damn true. Um, you know, it's it's a film about the commercialization of trauma. It's a film about how we accept trauma. It's a film about the kind of uh, you know instant gratification, social media world we live in. There's an awful lot of interpretations. There are a lot of awful little things that I think are true at once. Um, but I think the way that that Jordan Peele uh, kind of welds these, you know, kind of you know, right how wells these stories out of nothing, the way that the, the, the story picks itself apart, the, the way that things build up, I think is one is, is excellent. I think um and the pacing, um one of the best paced films you'll see all year, for for certain. Um you're forty-five minutes into the film, fifty minutes into the film, I think. I um I kind of instinctively checked my watch, which is no indication of the film's quality. I just have a very short attention span. I'm always, I constantly check my watch. And forty five minutes of the film, fifteen minutes of the film, I check my watch, expecting the film to have started ten or fifteen minutes ago. Only to realise that we were deep into it because I think it's just so wonderful place that you just you just get so lost in it, and it, you just are just you know all, you know everything is just coming alive, you know, in, in real time, and, and you're gonna you know you just get whisked away in the in the concept. But as you said, Stephen Young's the main character. I think um, the the gaudy stuff there is an extended. I'm not going to go into spoilers. But there, anyone that's seen it, there's an extended scene that starts off outside a set that kind of goes into the set. When we, we get the extended view of the gaudy situation, that from start to finish is one of the best shot, best edited, best sound mixed, best acted, best written scenes, moments, sections. Of any film you'll see this year, probably just that bit, probably of any film we see this decade, right? It is just wonderful, excellent, and very much harrowing filmmaking. Um, With the pacing, almost it was so quick that uh, towards the end, I felt a little bit like I wish we had a slightly more conflict before the before the resolution. I think you know that, that I wish there was a little bit more of a fight to be had. Um, but I thought that a lot of the things that were done and the kind of twist surprises, I thought were very interesting and a really interesting way to go with the genre. Uh, and the fact that I felt, you know, the comparison the steel still building stuff going into it. I would not have expected this film to be more jaws than it was close encounters. The way that that happens is a very interesting sci-fi concept that I was fascinated by on the, on the acting level, you, you know, I think Daniel Kaluuya He's the best actor on the planet. I've said that many times. I think that there's no human being that I'm more certain will deliver when you give him a script. However, in this film, his role is very much stoic. Um, so he doesn't necessarily have the room to, to show Oscar performances. He obviously has it in him. He's obviously the most talented person in the cast, but the character does not allow him to show that necessarily, which is a problem because the character needs to be like that. But in this film, Kiki Palmer is fucking excellent. She is wonderful. And I don't know if a film like this cat will be doing well. The fact that Get Out was so and Us was so popular and didn't get enough war wars recognition, maybe you think they might retrospectively give this war recognition to try and make up for it. But I think Kiki Palmer deserves um, an Oscar campaign for sure. I think she's wonderful technically flawless you know that say the you know the the, the editing's wonderful the cinematography is great i love the fact that this film features a cinematographer as a main key key actor uh, key character i think it's, it's you know yeah. nice that's that's in there um perhaps um trying to, to getting some acting uh notes from um, Hoyt van Hoytema. um sound mixing is one thing that's been particularly picked up on um by the media for being particularly good. I completely agree. I think it's wonderful. I think that, I I think just basically Jordan Peel is very, very good at coming up with interesting concepts and exploring them in a way that is as fascinating as the concept itself. Um, I I thought, no, no, it was wonderful. I absolutely loved it. Um, I've seen it twice already. I'll probably see it more. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, you, You know, I guess in a way, you don't have to go home but you can't stay here
1: yeah (laughs) i got that reference but yeah um i i do i i agree with a lot of what you said but i also disagree with a lot of it as well i found the pacing to be quite slow the first two acts i thought i thought the first two acts would like dragging a little bit the third act is phenomenal I
0: thought you were the third say, oh, the act. was too quick to, we didn't get any second to breathe or the pacing was too speed oh, really you thought it was too slow
1: oh no i thought it was too slow the third oh, really? act is phenomenal everything you said about the film in general i agree with on the third act but the first two acts i just i didn't care about the characters i can't remember anyone's names from it i in fact i can i can remember that he's called oj because they made an oj simpson joke but um I don't remember any of their names. The, I didn't care about the characters particularly. Um so I just I wanted to get to the fun stuff. And the first two acts weren't character. really any of the fun stuff. Um,
0: I, I, I especially I characters.
1: Yeah. But um that I thought the the cinematography was excellent in the daytime shots. But this this thing that I hate is when they film And every film does it. This isn't just about Nope. When they film nighttime scenes in daytime and then make it look like nighttime in post, I always think they look awful. And this film does it a lot. Um, But the... And it's not the fault of the cinematographer or anything like that. It's just generally, when you film stuff in daylight and then make it look night in post, I, I don't like how it looks. And that's not anything to do with Nope. That's just in general. But the cinematography in the scenes where it's bright where they're, you know, the UFOs flying around. Those were excellent. Those were excellent. And I liked that they kind of just straight up from very early on, they just showed us the UFO. They weren't like, oh, there's something up there, pan away from it. They showed us, they showed it to us straight away. And I liked that. And um, one thing I think you're right about Jordan Peele is that he's amazing at coming up with interesting concepts and exploring them interestingly like the get out is you know it's very real issue he takes very real problems in the world and kind of dials them to 11 like with get out he takes the issue of racism and i've not seen us so i don't know but with this one he takes the issue of you know like you said the commercial the commercialization of trauma and the way that we treat animals as well and he kind of dials it up to 11 and makes it about aliens um but yeah, and it was amazing. But I never felt invested in it. It just felt like a good, decent film. I don't think that it was any kind of... You know, I enjoyed it just as much as I enjoyed Bullet Train. But I I don't think that it was exceptional. I don't think that it was like a... You know, like you say, the Gordy scene was brilliant. But do I think it's one of the best edited, best shot, best written, best acted scenes of the decade? No, it's just a decent scene and it's a good scene and a good film, you know? I won't i won't be thinking about it again in, in five years i think um whereas i still think about get out now because like i said get out was remarkable i don't think i'll be thinking about nope in five years other than as part of jordan peele's filmography
0: well, oh and another thing right. as well
1: that i forgot to say i forgot to say this as well the sound mixing the sound mixing with the alien was great obviously and i don't know whether it was just my cinema but I thought the sound mixing—I, I the fact that everyone's praising it makes me think it was an issue with my cinema because I thought the sound mixing was really weird and bad because the the dialogue scenes, not the alien, it sounded great with the alien, but the dialogue scenes sounded so echoey. It sounded like there were two audio tracks on top of one another, and I could hear them both at the same time. <laughs> well, I think so I
0: probably, that sounds like a—I didn't notice that at all. So I wonder if that is just a cinema thing.
1: That, that, that this is what I'm thinking when I came out of the cinema and everyone was saying the sound mixing is amazing. If this doesn't get a best sound nomination, I will kill myself. And yeah. I was like, I thought the sound mixing was yeah. actively I hindering mean, it. Yeah, so I I'm guessing it's an that. issue with my cinema. And another thing that I'll say as well, before we wrap up is I think this is a film that you need to see on a, the biggest screen possible Yes, I because I was, I was, uh, I was very nervous about seeing it because it's horror um so i went to see it on a normal screen didn't see it in imax which i normally would and felt quite underwhelmed by the visual impact of it the epicness that everyone had been describing was missing and i feel i'll watch it again for two reasons i'll watch it again so i'm not constantly shitting myself at what might be about to happen so i can actually sit back and just enjoy it and i'll see it again in imax and maybe i'll change my mind because it feels like a visual spectacle of a film but it was just missing the spectacle, and I don't know whether that was just because I was seeing it on a normal cinema screen rather than IMAX. But then again, a film shouldn't be underwhelming when you see it on a cinema screen compared to IMAX. You know, yeah. films that are amazing in IMAX are still great on a standard screen. So I, I, but again, I'm being so negative. But I really enjoyed it. I really did enjoy it. It's a great film. Go and watch it.
0: Yes. Yeah. You're a loser. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think and I that, think uh, it's
1: mainly my fault as well for falling into the trap of everyone saying this is the new Jaws. Jordan Peele is the new Spielberg. So I was going in expecting, you know, Spielbergian is drama. Oh no, nowhere near as good as Jaws.
0: This is definitely better than Jaws.
1: No, not not to me. Or it's this it's not, this not is nowhere near Like
0: Jaws, this doesn't exist without Jaws. Therefore, Jaws is like more important. Yeah, in the same way that Matrix Four is better than Matrix One. It's. I enjoyed this movie I yours, completely for sure. disagree for sure
1: um, I, I, I also
0: think all. but again I really good.
1: enjoyed it I've, it's great but I feel like I shouldn't have if you go in blind without any expectations you'll have a great time but um, if you go in thinking you're going to get Spielbergian drama, horror, sci-fi that you know should sweep the Oscars, they're not making films like this anymore then you'll be a little bit underwhelmed like I was
0: I do think I do think it should get a lot of those I um I also think that the TMZ section, which we haven't really mentioned, um was very Mm. very good as well. I very much enjoyed that. I thought that was a very interesting way of doing it and um, very creepy. Um yeah yes um yeah. But the uh, one thing
1: that is baffling me is the amount of people who are saying the gaudy plotline is pointless like that's the entire yeah, it's the whole point film, of the the
0: film. really it's almost like that's that Sean of the dead section where it, it, he just says the whole plot at the beginning yeah it's like that, you know? <laughs> yeah it's like this is the film what you're watching is this film this this section yeah for, for two hours that's what you're watching
1: yeah it's like it's that is the everything that nope has to say is in that two minute scene yeah. How can you think that it's pointless? And the scene where Stephen Yen is, you know, he has this monologue about how they recreated one of the most traumatic moments of his life on SNL. And he's laughing about it. I was watching that and I was like, this is amazing. That was um, that was so mm. well written, that scene, mm. when he's mm. laughing about how funny the SNL skit was. That was so well written. And Stephen Yen's performance, yeah, Stephen so Yen so was so excellent sad. in this.
0: Yeah. Is yeah, yeah. Wonderful. I think with Jordan Peele and Robert Eggers, we, we have, we're in good hands. We're in good hands. Them too. Yeah. Horror, n- not necessarily horror, but around the subject, nor, you know, he, you know what Eggers is doing with his Nordic stuff. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's just, it's yeah. I, I'm a big, I'm a, I'm a big fan. Um, I think yeah. you can also tell that he's a comedian first as well. Cause I think this film was very funny.
1: Oh yeah. Um, it was
0: very funny. Yeah. Especially geeky bar character. Um, I'm mm-hmm. Brandon Pereira's character. Okay, um, so after that, pretty, I would say, decently scathing review, despite it being positive. What would you, what would you, um, <laughs> what would you give this? I uh, I'd
1: give this a solid eight out of ten.
0: That is not an eight out of ten review, you fucking loser. It
1: is an eight out of ten review. This is what I mean. In my review, I was just saying how it compared lewis, to what i expected since this going episode in has come
0: out lewis has decided to change his, his rating to seven
1: no it's an eight out of ten it's a great film i was just talking about my expectations my expectations going in which i understand <laughs> yeah, should be irrelevant but they're not and irrelevant. I've just
0: about how it's amazing and it's wonderful and i'm gonna give it like a nine or an eight and a half I'm well, giving... that's fine.
1: We can rate I'm films giving... on different scales. We're not using the same scale. We're using our own scale. I think you're a loser.
0: I think you're an absolute loser. I know
1: you do. But I'm a loser who gives Nope an 8 out of 10, even though I spent oh. a lot of time being negative about I'm it, nope even 9 though 9 I loved it.
0: I'm giving Nope a 9 out of 10. But my 9 out of 10 is way more than one, more than his eight. So take that with a pinch of it's salt. It's
1: not because they're different scales. They're different scales.
0: I'm going to punch you in the face. <laughs>
1: You gave it an eight out of ten on your scale. I gave it an eight. You gave it a nine out of ten on your scale. I gave it an eight out of ten on mine.
0: He's a man that's you stupid bitch. <laughs> but I did love it. I really I don't did enjoy it. My man of the just... match.
1: My man of the match. I think my man of the match has to be either Hoyt van Hoytema or Stephen Yen, and I don't know who. I think I'm gonna go with Stephen Yen because I didn't like the nighttime cinematography.
0: I am going to give it. In fact, no,
1: I'm going to go with Hoyt Van Hoytema. I really liked Hoyt. I really enjoyed the cinematography.
0: Hoyt Van Hoytema is an absolute boy, mate. Um, yeah, I am going to give it to Jordan Peele for the screenplay. I think it's a really interesting subject matter. I think it's a really well written um, piece of work. I think mm. the dialogue is very, very believable. Very, very. You see, a lot of the 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 if there's any horror elements it's in there um i think it's some very very sad moments very very funny moments uh yeah so i'm gonna give it to, to jordan peele for his screenplay slay lovely slay what a, what a great episode another great episode of the national podcast complete guys
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> next time i really slay. i feel bad now i really liked nope i really did
0: you I'm should sorry for ranting about how You've much I disliked thing. it because
1: I didn't. I really liked it. I did. I did was just... Know? All I'm saying is, everyone was saying you hate it's the best the black thing ever. Directed it? No! <laughs> it's a great film. I just... Everyone was saying it's the best thing ever. It's an epic cinema. It's Spielberg. It's, it's you know, no one does horror better than Jordan Peele. And um, people are saying like it's a Hitchcock, Spielberg. i
0: accusing of racism.
1: Yeah, thank you for clarifying. <laughs> <laughs> that but yeah, people much. were like, it's Hitchcock, Spielberg, all rolled into one and I'm like, it was just very good. Yeah. Like a film can be very good without being Hitchcockian or Spielbergian.
0: I think it's I think that the nature of the film is very Spielbergian. Not that not that, that is necessarily yes, a yeah. compliment. I I mean Yeah. I would say that he's of that level. But that is not the, the point. I think the point is, is that, that this film is very reminiscent of two or three of Spielberg's greatest films. In the same way, I would not compare David Leitch as a, as a, as a director to Tarantino, nor would I just, um, compare <laughs> Zach Olowitz, or whatever his name is, to the to, to <laughs> Coen brothers. Yet, I still can make the comparison.
1: No thematically it is very Spielbergian but the execution is not and a lot of people were saying it's like Spielberg, he's the new Spielberg
0: No he's not the Spielberg because he's going to be better
1: Which he's not, he's the, he's the jo- he's Jordan Peele, he's not the yes, new Spielberg of course, yes. he is the now Jordan Peele Well, that is that's just my point, it's not work, Spielberg
0: it? People are always calling people the new this the new that and it very rarely yeah. becomes something that is carried on once they, you know they're in, the, in their peak um, Yeah yeah, there. Yeah, there's not more. Yeah, he's he's the the current Jordan Peel. Um, yeah, long may he be the current Jordan Peel. I'm very excited for whatever he makes next because I think he's wonderful and I don't hate him, like Lewis. Okay, next up on the Now Shane Fucking Podcast, we should be talking about the first four series of a little show I call Doctor Who. Um, is there a particular reason? Well, Doctor Who is is in the public consciousness right now because of Chita Yatwa and David Tennant returning and Rusty Davis returning. And we are focusing on Rusty Davis, his early years, his first stint as Doctor Who's showrunner. So we'll be talking about that and all our thoughts on Lewis's first ever watch of my favourite show. Um, but I don't that maybe we don't know when that's gonna be coming out, but um you know, it'll be out in all the, the same usual places. So, that, that's um, we're gonna wrap up here. So, um, if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do so on the podcast, which is currently growing in followers, uh, at Now Showing Pod. Uh, you can find us individually at Sam H Media and Lewis JWR. Uh, you can find us on Letterboxd at Sam Houston and LJWR. Uh, we are proud to be members of the Media City Driving Network. You can find them on. Uh, their website or on uh, twitter at mcdipod they uh, have a host of podcasts articles and more about the likes of movies music and sports um, if you want to help us get up in the rankings uh, tell your friends but also give us a five-star rating on spotify apple and more and if you want to contact the pod for any reason don't dm us in the places we've already established or contact us directly at naushanepod at gmail.com. We very much thank you for your listening and we hope to see you next time. Goodbye.